Trudeau government wants to rein in the scourge of gassy cows, and yes, this is likely going to raise the price of beef in Canada. The Northwest Territories wants a full exemption from carbon tax. The University of Alberta removed a Christmas tree on campus after a student requested to light a Hanukkah menorah. Hello Canada, it is Tuesday, December 12th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Andrew Lawton. And I'm Isaac Lamoureux. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. The federal government has unveiled a new climate policy incentivizing farmers to reduce how much their cows burp. Yes, you heard that right. Revealed at the COP28 Climate Summit in Dubai, the Reducing Enteric Methane Emissions from Beef Cattle Protocol, just rolls off the tongue, will encourage beef cattle farmers to reduce methane emissions by improving animal diets to make the cows less gassy. In 2021, agriculture was responsible for 31% of Canada's total methane emissions, mostly from enteric fermentation produced by beef and dairy cattle, the federal government says. Methane is released into the air when cows burp, also when politicians speak, I believe. If successful in reducing their cow burps, farmers will be able to generate credits they can then sell to other companies who need to reduce emissions but haven't yet accomplished doing so. Uh, Alberta Premier Daniel Smith labeled this initiative, quote, completely ridiculous, unquote. She asked, how is going after ranchers and dairy farmers a priority of this federal government? Toronto Sun columnist Brian Lilly had brought up a, a rather ironic point that this would actually counter a trend that's made its way through the beef industry in the last several years uh, that's seen consumers pay more for grass-fed beef, which is lower in saturated fats, has more omega-3 fatty acids, and higher levels of other nutrients. But now we have to surrender that at the altar of reducing cow burps. This is, well, Canadians are, of course, already struggling with rising costs at the grocery stores. Now, here's the real question. Isaac, do you think farmers are going to go along with this, or do you think a lot of them are just going to roll their eyes here? Yeah, Andrew, uh, as we've seen, it's a yet another wonderful uh, government incentive to help pile on to the cost of living already being felt by Canadians nationwide. I remember Smith saying uh, a few weeks ago that, quote, Mr. Guibault has done more damage to our investment climate in this province than probably any single federal minister I'd ever seen, end quote. Of course, at the time, Smith was talking about Alberta. But people across the country, not just farmers, are going to start feeling the Gibo effect. Being an Albertan and, and seeing the ridiculous incentives that he tries to push forward, what seems like consistently these days, is getting very uh, irritating, even for me. I say that, of course, because Smith was the first to call Gibo, uh, quote, very irritating. But that's what woke ideologues do, isn't it, Andrew? They, they push these short-sighted goals so that they, they can feel as if they're having a positive effect uh, on the planet, even if their incentives will realistically do more harm than good in the long term. I remember seeing some research out there that essentially showed that the more rich people are, the more climate conscious they are, given that they, they have the luxury to be. This hurts all Canadians economically and could have an inverse effect on the climate. At, at this point, for example, we know the carbon tax does virtually nothing except lose Canadians' money. The federal government, in my opinion, needs to take a look around Canada. Now, now is the time to figure out how to keep money inside of residents' pockets, not take it out. Andrew, I was curious, do, do any good policies come to mind that might actually have a 
positive effect on the climate while while still taking into account the uh, economic hardships uh, currently faced by Canadians? Look, I think that generally speaking, you have two competing objectives. One is making the planet better and one is making the economy better. And the government will try to claim, no, 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 we can do both. And our environmental policies are actually going to be good for the economy. But that never is the case. And the people affected by that certainly don't feel it's the case, whether it's the oil and gas sector or in, in this case, farmers. And look, I mean, the other part of it, too, is that when I look at it from a government regulation and government size perspective, if government is regulating things as mundane as the burps that come out of your cow, uh, they're basically going to be regulating everything. Hey, am, I, am I off base on that? No, I think that's a pretty accurate point. <laughs> the Northwest Territory's newly elected premier, R.J. Simpson, is the latest premier to demand the blanket exemption from Ottawa's carbon tax. Simpson said, quote, Ideally, a complete exemption for the territory is what we would hope for, end quote. The costs are already high. Higher costs are not the solution up here. Federal carbon pricing requires provinces and territories to set up their own collection system if they don't want to use the system already in place by the Trudeau government. Simpson's government chose to create its own carbon pricing system, meaning if it wishes to make an exemption on home oil heating, it will be required to create its own processes regarding changes. Initially, the territory had revised its process to stop issuing rebates on home heating fuels in April. However, the territory's legislature dissolved in October for an election. During that same time period, the federal government announced that it would grant an exemption on home heating oil while the legislature was out. Following Simpson's election win, he stated that the carbon tax simply, quote, doesn't work, end quote, for the people of his territory. Andrew, do you think that uh, other provinces and territories will follow suit and demand an end to the carbon tax altogether? Uh, Manitoba, Alberta, and Saskatchewan have called for an exemption as well, for example. I mean, absolutely. We're seeing a federalist mutiny here with other provincial premiers that are saying, I mean, even in provinces where they're okay with the carbon tax, as in the case of British Columbia, they don't like the unfairness of the government picking and choosing winners, which is what this federal government has been doing when it gave that exemption effectively to Atlantic Canada. So absolutely, I think the territory should be listened to here. And again, I mean, it gets very cold in the territories. I've not been to the Northwest Territories, but I have been to Yukon. I know it gets chilly there. You need energy to survive. You need things to be shipped up there. You cannot run that society, that territory without dealing with a cost in fuel. So absolutely, I think they have a right to be up in arms about how this is going to affect them, especially when the government has already conceded that we should carve out these regional exemptions. A University of Alberta law student who asked to display a menorah and light it in a study space was not only denied, but her result requested in the faculty removing Christmas trees as well. On Tuesday last week, law student Rachel Cook spoke with staff at Law Student Services at the Edmonton University, and she had noticed several Christmas trees, garlands, other holiday decorations on display at a campus lounge. She's Jewish, she wasn't offended, but she offered to bring in a menorah, an electric menorah, to represent Hanukkah and supplement another menorah that was lit at the campus on Thursday, according to the National Post. She said the initial response to her request was positive, but she later got an email from the vice dean who wanted to address her, quote, concerns, unquote, about the existing decorations on campus. The vice dean offered her a bookable room where she could hold a, a lighting ceremony and display a menorah, but said that the decorations in public spaces were meant to be, quote, non-denominational, unquote. 
Not only that, the school then took down the Christmas trees, leaving only the garlands, lights, and decorative polar bears on display. Now, Cook was clear to say that she never had any issues with the Christmas trees. She had even gotten a candy cane from a vice dean dressed as Santa uh, previously. She just wanted to add Hanukkah into the mix. I mean, this is what multiculturalism should be about, which is the ability to celebrate each other's faiths, tolerate each other's existence without feeling like one needs to win out over the other. So the idea that the school was offended by a menorah wanting to be displayed to the point where they said, okay, I guess we can't do Christmas anything really reveals, uh, I think, a very backwards way of looking at this. Yeah, uh, Andrew, I have to say that uh, every other week, it seems something new and more more ridiculous is coming out about a university or several taking uh, some stance that is, in my opinion, in the completely uh, wrong direction. And I always... I always had a positive bias towards post-secondary schools, given that I recently completed an undergrad and I never felt that things were too uh, out of hand, I guess, at my university, though maybe I just turned a blind eye for my own sanity's sake. When when I first heard about this story, Andrew, my, my first the first pressing question that, that came to mind for me was, would the university have behaved in a similar way if this were about Eid? I don't think you could convince me that they would have behaved in, in a similar way. And I, I don't know why it is that universities seem so not just willing, but even enthusiastic to uh, attack Western tradition. Obviously, in this case, the university took a stance against Hanukkah, a Jewish holiday and, and Christmas, not only a Catholic holiday, but frankly, a, a Western tradition. And yet universities, I think, seem so emphatic to embrace any tradition from overseas. It is getting out of hand, in my opinion. Our, our, our Western traditions aren't so bad. Remember, there is a reason people uh, want to immigrate here after all. Andrew, in your opinion, what will it take for universities, I guess, to re-embrace uh, Western culture? Well, I mean, I think that's bigger than, than this story, and I don't think they will. I, I think universities have decided that West is bad, Christianity bad, white bad, and uh, this doesn't mean that everyone in those institutions does, but it does mean that the universities have baked into their DNA so much of this uh, post-colonialism, decolonialism, post-modernism, anti-colonialism, whatever you uh, want to call it, whichever strain you want to pull, they, they've baked so much of that into their existence that they view every issue through that lens. And, and you know, now Hanukkah is uh, in a roundabout way a sign of oppression. And I, I think, you know, very much that is just a reflection of the conflict going on overseas right now between Hamas and Israel. I, I don't think, you know, a year ago this would have been an issue that would have reared itself in this way. That's it for today, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. The Andrew Lawton Show, that's with yours truly, will be live at 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Mountain Time today. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. <laughs>